Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, May 13th, 2022. It seemed like that there was a lot of news today in the cybersecurity world and just all over the place, including a uh, Microsoft um, patch Tuesday where there were patches for apparently three vulnerabilities, one which was exploited out in the wild. I don't have that in the show notes because I believe that by now that's pretty pervasive. Everybody has heard about that and has taken appropriate action. But coming to the articles that really caught my eye for this past week, first one comes to us from EngageNet.com. Lincoln College in Illinois announced that they're going to have to shut down because of a ransomware attack and not shut down for a period of time. This is going to close the college. Now, they did report that they had had record-breaking student enrollment in the fall of 2019, but COVID, in addition to the ransomware attack, appears to have unfortunately caused the decision to shut down. Jumping over to managed service providers, CISA, this comes directly from CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is joined partners to release an advisory on protecting MSPs and their customers. So partners include the cybersecurity authorities of the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and of course the United States. They released this joint statement to provide guidance on how to protect against malicious cybersecurity targeting managed service providers and their customers, which has become more of a vector recently. They have more details in the advisory, but the top three that they note that MSPs should look at is identify and disable accounts that are no longer in use, Enable MFA on MSP accounts that access the customer environment and monitor for unexplained failed authentication and ensure MSP customer contacts transparently identify ownership of information and communications technology, security roles, and responsibilities. Third article, third topic is going to be a big one, I believe. We've talked about this a little bit before about how on uh, uh, March 9th of this year, the Security and Exchange Commission, the SEC, had proposed new rules that would in significantly increase the public companies reporting of both cybersecurity breaches and what executive management and the board are doing to mitigate cyber risk. In response to this, the World Economic Forum has published global recommendations for board of directors to help them comply with the new rules. This is from the World Economic Forum website. They note that the new rules that are proposed by the SEC will significantly increase public companies' reporting of cybersecurity breaches and oversight practices, and also note that the key to effective oversight will be reviewing cybersecurity as a strategic issue, understanding the economics of cyber risk, and incorporating cyber risk ex expertise into board insight. And these are items that the World Economic Forum have promoted before in the past. They note that the SEC plans to ask specifically who on the board is informed of cyber risk issues, how they receive that information, how often the board considers cyber risk, and how cyber risk is integrated into business strategy 
risk management, and financial oversight. And they have some recommendations on how boards can prepare for the new cybersecurity rules. And diving a little bit deeper into that as well, too, is from Bob Zukas from the Digital Directors Network. He is the chief executive officer there. They released on May 8th a response and comments to that proposed legislation, that proposed rule. And one of the things that um, Mr. Zukas points out is the that he had back in an article in 2016 titled, Are Cyber Experts on Boards Inevitable? That he had compared the what had happened with Sarbanes-Oxley, which of course, as you remember, were, were actually at the 20-year anniversary of Sarbanes-Oxley, that that tightened financial disclosure, financial oversight on board of directors. And uh, Zikis had taken that and extrapolated it to cybersecurity in this 2016 article and specifically stated that and I'm quoting from the article and from the memo, directors who do not have the ability to ask the right cybersecurity question will never get the right answer. Cybersecurity governance ground zero starts in the American corporate boardroom with competent cybersecurity directors. Whether forced by regulators, pressured by activists, or added by a board that recognizes that good corporate governance needs cybersecurity competent directors, a decade from now, we'll look back in disbelief at what is today the novel concept of having cybersecurity skills in the American corporate boardroom. So there's definitely some foresight there, again, considering that that article was written in 2016. The uh, Digital Directors Network memo goes on to respond to some questions that have been asked and notes that Without cyber experience in the boardroom, the vast majority of America's boardrooms are not capable of governing the significant cyber risks threatening and impairing American businesses. And to sum up their stance on it, we believe this proposed rule is a necessary, reasonable, and foundational corporate governance step that will quickly improve America's cyber risk management posture. And then finally, turning to privacy, this from the New York Times from today, I'm sorry, from yesterday, from the 12th, the FBI informed the Israeli government in a 2018 letter that it had purchased Pegasus, the notorious hacking tool, to, correct, to collect data from mobile phones to aid ongoing investigations. Some of you are familiar with Pegasus. It has been in the news before. The FBI had stated that the Bureau intended to use Pegasus for the collection of data from mobile devices for the prevention and investigation of crimes and terrorism in compliance with privacy and national security laws. That's a quote from the letter. Um, since then, the, the FBI has noted that they did consider deploying Pegasus. They did get a license to test it, and it tested it for a short period of time. Um, I think it said in here it was, it was two years, but that they never used Pegasus in any operation. So a lot of topics, a lot of items, and I'll have a few thoughts in 30 seconds. Ideally, when I do these wrap-ups, I do try to pick a topic 
that's been in the news and and focus on that one topic. But the reality of it is that often cybersecurity being so holistic in nature that there are just very important topics that come from all different directions. So instead of trying to shoehorn what I thought were relevant articles and news that I wanted to discuss today, I just thought that I would touch on all of them. With the exception of the Microsoft, if if you were not aware of the Microsoft vulnerability and and the the patching for it, then the active exploit rather, uh, you probably want to reevaluate your news feeds because that pretty much was well plastered earlier in the week. Now, as far as Lincoln College goes, I spent an, a, a long time of my career, over 12 years in higher education, actually um, just 12 years at one institution, I can pretty much say that a good 15, 17 years in some way, shape or form in higher education. And so I have visibility and passion for higher ed. And one of the problems I think we have today, I know that there's a lot of uh, debate going on with regards to student loan forgiveness and cost of higher ed. And I think that that's the case is that you, you I don't want to get into the whole student loan issue, but there are root causes associated with it. And I think that two big ones are predatory lending practices and institutional spending. And it's a second one that I want to focus on. From my observation when I was in higher ed, and it's been over 12 years since I, or about 12 years now since I left higher education, that there seemed to be more and more competition in order to introduce more items to the environment um, to compete for students. Because after all, higher education is a business. And unfortunately, I think that that's the way that we treat it more and more in this country. And specifically what I had seen from an infrastructure standpoint was almost an inordinate amount of focus on classroom experience, which I know sounds counterintuitive because the classroom is really the core of a higher education setting, but a lot of money spent on a lot of technology that did it really significantly improve learning. I know that there are probably studies that show yes, but there had to have been a return on investment where you reached a a point where the curve just flattens out, diminishing returns. Now, I'm not against that at all, but what I am against is what I perceived back then as less of a focus on security and infrastructure and and all of that. And I think that that's still the case in higher education today. Now, I'm not going to imply that that's what happened with Lincoln College, but I do think that there is room to continue to beef up security in higher education facilities and, and focus more on the core of business as opposed to the competition. And of course, that's not a problem that is centered just on higher ed. Every business, they would prefer not to spend on security because it is a cost center. It is a money pit. And a lot of times it's not seen as a business enabler. But if you don't have a business, there's nothing to enable. Now, as far as the MSPs go, I I like this, that there's more focus on looking at MSPs. And the reason why I mentioned that is that from the virtual CISO perspective, sometimes I've seen where small businesses will, will automatically decide, decide and say, well, 
we've we're, we have an MSP to take care of this, and so we don't have to worry about this at all. We don't have to worry about what the MSP is doing is is protecting our data because after all, that that's that's what an MSP does is that they they should be experts in the technology field, but that's not necessarily the case, and not just because of gross negligence. I mean, there could be issues, things happen where. Um, just because of a mistake, something happens with an MSP. And I think that small and mid-sized businesses need to realize that they should have a little bit more oversight over the MSPs. Ask the questions like you would ask any other vendor. Um, What are you doing as far as keeping your infrastructure secure? What are you doing as far as remote access and user access and user terminations? The third topic with regards to the SEC rules that were proposed that I've talked about before, I find interesting in how this is gaining traction. And, and I really like what we're seeing here, both that um, from first that the World Economic Forum has taken up with this and is, is basically using it as a methodology to, to emphasize what they have been advising over the years as far as what boards for larger organizations should do. Now, a lot of the advice that's in there is just your standard advice. But again, the the touch point, the the really interesting part was from um, the Digital Directors Network uh, memo where I read that snippet from that article in 2016 comparing SOCs Sarbanes-Oxley to the current situation now, although back then it was more forward-looking um, six years ago. The The boards need to understand that cybersecurity is a business issue, and this is not something that is limited to larger businesses. This applies to small businesses as well. Even if you don't have a board, if it's just a ma-and-pa operation or you know, very small organization, you, you need to treat your business like a large one. So that's why some of you might be thinking, well, this is a small and mid-sized business podcast. Why are you talking about something that's for large businesses and publicly traded companies? Well, because if you, if you, if you want to act like a, a large business, then you have to understand what large businesses are being asked to do. So this may not apply to you directly, but from a pragmatic standpoint, if you want to protect your environment, your network, your infrastructure, your business, you should take heed to what's going on in that space. I have little doubt that this will become enacted. And then finally, uh, you know, privacy, it isn't directly security related, but there are certain, certainly intertwining elements between the two. And, and I find that becoming more and more of a of a combination between security and privacy. And and therefore, it's important to understand what's happening in the privacy world. Now, this Pegasus, just the idea that the New York, um, this is from the New York Times, obviously, um, that I mentioned before, that that the FBI is out looking for other tools to do their job basically there's not really a news story there the 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 embedded news story here the thing to think about is what i thought about is my own personal privacy 
Now, I know you can't see it because this is not a video podcast episode today, but I'm holding my iPhone in my hand and I'm, I'm amazed at what this device can do. I use it for things like Waze. I use it for tracking my stuff. I use a- Apple AirTags. I use this for browsing. I use this for email. Sometimes I have it um, in, in VPN mode. Sometimes I don't, depending upon the variety of factors. I can't imagine what my life would be without this phone. It has provided so many venues to do so many things that I willingly and knowingly will give up an element of privacy in order to have that accessibility. I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is understanding what that privacy exposure actually is. And so this has nothing to do with Pegasus. It really has to do just with a little bit of thoughts about privacy. I wish that there was something out there, and maybe if there's an entrepreneur that can make this happen, they might make a lot of money. And if it is out there, please let me know because I'm, I would love to see it. But if there was a place that could actually and extremely accurately analyze your digital footprint and give you a privacy score, how well you're con- how well you you are protected now i know that there's probably some elements and some services out there but i'm talking something that ironically would reach into all aspects of your world so you're talking about you have to give up privacy in order to find out about your privacy and give you an idea give you sort of a a a personal privacy risk assessment if you will where do you have gaps and where do you can you make risk informed decisions about your personal privacy space because after all in the security space that's what we always say that is the primary job of a CISO or a virtual CISO and to reiterate if you haven't heard me say that before it is to provide the C-suite and the board of directors with information so that they can make a risk-informed decision. How wonderful it would be if you and I could have enough information on our personal privacy that we could do the same, make a privacy risk-informed decision about how we use our devices. That's it for today. We'll see you on Monday for the quick strike. And until then, stay secure.